This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Oh, here is one that's just a butte in Northern California. Uh, It turns out that there is a man who had a whole bunch of dogs. I mean, dogs that ate people, uh, labs, uh, retrievers, uh, pit bull, uh, some mixes. And it's um, and the neighbors would call and for years saying this guy doesn't have one or two or five. And the animal control people would come out and, and nothing happened. So finally, uh, he is uh, gets a uh, uh, gets a citation and goes to court to deal with it. So here he is in front of the judge. While that's going on, while he is in court, uh, a couple of his dogs break out of the enclosure, run across the street, and promptly eat one of his neighbors. Her whole backside, her butt, her legs, her back, they almost got the main artery in her neck. That's how badly bitten she was. And then the other fellow who was with her jumped the fence and uh, was able to escape. Let me tell you, if I'm not a big jumper, but if, if, I'm walk, if I'm walking with my wife, I jump the fence so quickly. And then I even point to her when the dogs come rushing. And I say, over there, over there. Damn right. Anyways, so what happened? Uh, well, let's just say he's in a world of hurt. That's jail time, incidentally, and it should be. And he doesn't, and unfortunately, he doesn't have home insurance because there's no insurance policy in the world that would cover those kinds of dogs. Matter of fact, look at your policy and look at the exclusions. Pit bulls, Rottweilers, in some cases, even German Shepherds, although German Shepherds are not particularly known as attack dogs, certainly not like pit bulls. Then there's a great story of uh, how sweet pit bulls are. I once did a show on pit bulls, and uh, downstairs... There were a group of people that had pit bulls, and uh, they asked me to come down and pet their bull, their pit bulls, and I did. And they are the sweetest dogs in the world uh, un- until they get uh, hungry, uh, and then they start eating people. You've heard of those stories where you had these toddlers or these kids, infants in bassinets that the pit bull goes in and grabs the kid. I mean, it's just horrific stories. And it's not that pit bulls per se are more vicious than other dogs. They can just do a lot more damage. See, you can have a vicious chihuahua, right? How much, I mean, you can get a, you know, fine. You you have an ankle that gets a little torn up, granted, when the chihuahua goes nuts. But pit bulls, the crushing power they have. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hey, Vivian, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Uh- I have two questions regarding, I have two baby daddies. Uh, what does that mean? Two babies? Well, I have uh, two, I have four children, but I have um, two. Two fathers, two males. biological yeah. dads. Right. Uh, so uh, now how many kids belong to which dad? I have is it two? And, is it two and two or is it three and one? Well, I'm married now. So. It doesn't matter. Forget about marriage. Marriage means nothing. It's a question. Oh, well, of, it's a question of biology. Okay. Well, I have. Okay. Well, I have three fathers. Then. Three fathers. Have, right. So you have four so, kids. 
with three dads. Correct. Okay, so one dad has two kids, and the other uh, biological dads have one child each. So you've got three men in your life, of which one is you're married to, correct? Yes. Okay, I'm just curious. All right. Okay, well, well, You're a busy girl. I'm yeah, sorry? Have, your numbers are wrong. I have one with one father. Okay. And I have two um, identical twins with another father who wants nothing to do with them. Okay. So and is, then I have a married with my husband, and we have one child together. All right. Got it. All right. So uh, what 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 is your question? Okay. So I have the first question is, my first child with the first baby daddy, he lives in a house in Lancaster, and I live in an apartment. My, our child is about 10 years old, and um, he already took me to court before regarding child custody, and he lost. Okay. But now um, I'm thinking he's going to, he's kind of indicating to me that he's going to take me again. So the child, the child is with you, correct? Well, we share it. Okay, okay, you share custody, and he wants to take you into court for what? What reason? Well, he he because he lives in a house, and I live in an apartment. Oh, that's not there. Just and and based on that, he wants uh, your child. Yeah. No, no, the court court Does doesn't. That no, the court doesn't care that you live in an apartment. All the court cares is is the child being raised decently, uh, food, shelter, uh, no abuse. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's an apartment or not. Now, if you've got 17 people in a one-bedroom apartment, the court may pay attention to that. But saying, hey, I have a house and Vivian doesn't, no. That's not going to fly at all, Vivian. I wouldn't worry about that one. Okay. All right. Okay. So my second question is the the father of my twins. He wants nothing to do with them. Yeah. They do not have his last name at all. I tried to take him to court when they were about three years old. How old are they now? They are six. Okay. And what? I try to take him. I try to take him to court so then I can change their last name to my husband's last name, and the judge denied it. So now my question is, when can I take him to court again? When is it like... When you can change the court to change their name? Yes. Well, I mean, you can take him to court any time. And because they're his children. So I would argue uh, if he wants nothing to do with them and you could establish that he has effectively abandoned the children... All right? Uh, And he is not paying support or has uh, clearly... he, he has a court order to pay support. Is he paying the support? Yes. Okay, then you have no chance. What is it if he doesn't want nothing to do with us? That doesn't matter. He's still the father. So as I, long as he's paying support and he is the biological dad, uh, and it has really no connection to do with uh, the last name. Uh, now, you can argue that, uh, and the kid isn't old enough at this point, you can argue that for the uh, the emotional health of the children, having last names uh, is hurting them, and then I think that would fly. At least I would make that argument. But right now, at the age of six, he's paying the support, even though he doesn't want to visit them. Uh, it, 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 I don't think that connects with the last name. What, what age can I do that? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Maybe uh, when they're 32. Thanks for the call. Oh, is that legal advice or what, huh? 
This is Handle on the Law. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. All right, Bill. So here's the situation. Uh, I, I live out here in Las Vegas. Uh, technically, I'm in Henderson, but it's part of Las Vegas. Yeah, I know. I know Henderson very well. Okay, so. I, yes. No, 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 I won't interrupt you. This no, no, question. please go ahead. I was just going to go on, and it makes no difference. So let's, okay, let's exactly. move on. We'll go with my part then. Okay, so uh, early in the morning, me and my daughter are going to work. Two different cars. We stop off at 7-Eleven, grab some drinks before we go. Uh, as I'm waiting for her to get behind me so we can pull out of the parking lot, I start to move forward when she gets there. A truck pulls in front of me so I can't exit the parking lot. And as he's backing into his space, the truck next to him starts to back up. And as he starts getting closer to my car, I'm, I'm parked parallel to the front of the doors. He's parked facing the doors of the 7-Eleven. I start honking my horn. My daughter starts honking her horn. The guy... I was backing in, starts honking his horn, and the guy runs into me. And as he hits me, he turns around, looks at me, and then starts to proceed to pull away and to drive out of the parking lot. So I pulled out of my exit, and I, I pulled out in front of him to stop him. You know, the guy just hit me, and he's trying to take off, and he drives around me and barrels into the neighborhood. So I start following him, and this is going on for a few minutes, but the second I start following him, I call 911, let him know what happened. And the guy's racing through the neighborhoods, and I'm letting the 911 operator know with the streets I'm passing so a cop could eventually pull up to us and pull us over. Then she asked me my daughter's name, and I tell her. She said, don't worry about it. She's on the other line with a a different operator, and she got pictures of the guy's truck and a video. So you could pull over. We've got his information. Great. So I do that. A cop shows up. I fill out a police report, go back to the 7-Eleven to see if I could get a video of it and talk to the manager and the owner. And uh, and see if there's any witnesses. Two months later, I'm still waiting to find out what's going on. I'm in touch with my insurance. I talked to them on you know the following Monday because it was a weekend. Uh, they get me in touch with his insurance. And a few days ago, my insurance company calls me up and says they're considering this a road rage incident that you were trying to attack this guy. You're talking about the other insurance uh, company, or, or you're talking about no, the police? My- no, my insurance company. Oh, they're, they're saying that. that. Okay, they're saying that about uh, the about other me. driver. No, they're saying it about me. Oh, I'm sorry, I but they're but the okay. Rage. Your insurance company is calling you at fault for road rage. Yeah, they're saying we're, we're chalking it up as road rage. Got it. All right. So, what's your question? So, I went and picked up the police report uh, from Henderson, and I guess they had to forward it to the Las Vegas police because he lived in Las Vegas, and I'm in Henderson, and the accident was out here. And I start reading it. The Henderson police put this guy at fault to my witness statement. And then I get to the back pages, and all of a sudden, another witness popped up that the Metro had talked to. And it was one of this guy's friends 
I said, oh, I was in the parking lot, and there was some guy standing outside of his car, and my friend was blocking traffic, and he got mad and was yelling at him and jumped into his car and started chasing after him. Okay, so what what is your question at this point? Well, now they're pretty much saying that I'm not getting anything. Uh, the police that investigated uh, in Metro never came and talked to me, talked to my daughter, our witnesses, and... Never, never, no never, damage. never talked to anybody. They just talked to him. They talked to him and his witness. Okay. They never came. In wow. Okay. So, what's your question? Uh, how do I take care of this? Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, you're uh, you're video. you're screwed in a bunch of different ways because it just uh, all the bad luck in the world fell towards him, and it's kind of hard to believe that. Uh, first of all, the cops only talked to him and not to you and to his witness, and that your insurance company is taking their side. And, of course, they're not going to pay. Man, uh, wow, uh, you may have to sue your own insurance company. How much uh, damage is there to the cars? You know, it's not much. It's maybe $1,000. Then just pay it, and get, and, get pay it and get the hell out of there. Just pay it and go to a new insurance company. Uh, because what you're going to end up doing is uh, you can sue your own insurance company for $1,000. You can sue the other driver for $1,000 and take him into small claims court and uh, just argue your case. And you probably will... I would assume if you bring in enough witnesses, uh, you're going to win, especially if you get the video that shows you're not there. So you're going to need the video from the uh, store owner, the manager of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, you've been screwed by everybody. You've been screwed by your insurance company. You've been screwed by the police. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, by the way, I never want to have you near me in a, in a uh, storm, okay, in a thunderstorm. No, you don't. No, I don't. But uh, that's uh, that's all you can do is try the lawsuit, fight with your insurance company. And uh, the fact that they're not taking. Uh, no, it's crazy. I can see what's happening. Uh, they simply do, they don't want to pay. They don't want to pay. So they're taking the other side. And I mean, it does happen. Depends on the insurance company, too. I'm going to tell you, as much as I scream about insurance companies, I'm screaming constantly uh, a company that I'm with right now, uh, and I am going to mention their name because they deserve it, uh, uh, Mercury Insurance, has been nothing but terrific. I mean, absolutely nothing but terrific. And uh, taking uh, my claims, uh, even when they were wrong, my daughter got into an accident in which she was at fault. And then another driver pulled in and she pulled over into a parking lot, and then another driver comes up next to her, parks, and said, you just hit my car. She did not. And so initially, my insurance company uh, ruled against us, said, you're at fault on two accidents. I said, no, we're at fault on one accident. This other guy is just a liar. Well, we've already paid him. And I go, I don't care who you've paid. You could have paid everybody in the the, uh, supermarket if you want. And so I was able to produce evidence, uh, and that is there was no damage at all to that part of the car, my daughter's car, in which he claimed he was hit. Now, he has plenty of damage because he's been banged up like crazy. But we said, look at this. Here are the pictures. And they said, you're right. So they held it at not at fault, and uh, they just did a great job. You don't have an insurance company like that. Unfortunately, get one. Absolutely get one. This is Handle on the Law. Said, oh, come on, love will be just fine. We're going to live just like it's 1999. 
640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, hey, Christopher, welcome to Handel on the Law. This is Bill Handel. Yes, sir. First time caller. Thank you. I bought a car last year, brand new 2018 Dodge Journey from a dealership. And from day one, I've been having problems with this car. Um, I had uh, the insulation, uh, the rubber, air been leaking in from day one. I took it back to the dealership three times. It's never been with here. Matter of fact, I'm driving it down. Every time I get on the freeway, I could still hear, you know, the air leaking in. Um, my transmission now is giving me problems. I want to know if uh, in California the lemon law is this applies to me. Yeah, it does. The lemon law does apply. How many times have you had it in the shop? A total of how many times? Uh, I believe four times. Yeah, that's now. enough. That's enough, Alex. Yeah, and there are lemon law attorneys all over the place. So uh, I don't even know if we have any on. I think so. I think we have some on handleonthelaw.com that can help you. But the bottom line is, yes, Christopher, uh, there is uh, no question about it. Lemon law applies. You've got a case. Oh, awesome. All right. There you go. Uh can't get rid of them. Here we go. All right. That's all right. All right. No, I can't shut people off, and they just mumble at the end of the phone call. Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't want that. And I just want to go, boom, you're done. Yes, you have a case. No, you don't have a case. Finished. All right. Alex. Hello, Alex. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, I sold a car in about November 17th of 2017, and then 2018, it got impounded in the city near where I live. I got the notice. Um, and so now I got another letter from, I guess, like a finance company saying yeah. I owe 2300 bucks for the tow. Well, wait a minute. When you but sold, wait a the- second, you sold the car and you still had, and you were still on the hook to make, to make payments, correct? No, the car was paid for. I, I oh, okay. It. So uh, how did you get, so how did you get a bill from a finance company? Well, I send in the paperwork, you know, when you sell a car, you send it into the DMV. Yes. And I guess it got towed in 2018, and the tow company, I guess, sold it to a, like a finance company. It's, I don't want to say their name. No, no, no. It's, it's not a fi- it's not a finance company. I now I know what you're getting. So someone is going for the amount of towing and the storage, right? And they're go- and they're going after you. Well, uh, but you have the sale. You have the sales receipt, correct? Well, when you sell the car, because I owned it, I had the pink slip. You know, you sign it over to the... the right, and was there... And, and was sent it to the DMV. Okay, and you sent it into the DMV, and they didn't yeah. and they didn't take your name off the registration? Correct. Okay, and you have a sales uh, document, I'm assuming, correct? Well, I have something that I, that um, I wrote out that I was selling them the car. I got the guy's name. Okay, and do you have... Okay, fine, did he, did, and did he sign it? Yeah. Okay, so you have the document. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So you have a sale. You have a sales document, and you have the registration that you uh, you signed it over, and you and you registered it with the uh, the DMV. Correct. Well, he I gave him like the title, and I you know that back slip that you peel off, and you fill out all the information that says send it in within ten days. That's what I sent into DMV, but since it was. 
got the pink slip. Okay, you've got. I think you have. I think you have to call the DMV. You're fine. Once you sold the car, you're off the hook, Alex. And so it's simply a question of um, of dealing with the DMV and talking to the people that are holding the paper. They're going to say it doesn't matter. You're still the registered owner, but you sold it. And just because uh, the other fellow didn't register it, uh, I don't think you're on the hook there. Maybe you are. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. Uh, but you've. Uh, I don't understand why the DMV didn't, uh, you know, every time I've well, sold it. told me that it's happened before. He said maybe about 10 or 20% of people that um, sell their cars and just mail it in, assuming, you know, the mail did its job. Yeah. Well, there's a way. Job. Yeah, I think you have to contact the DMV to start working yourself out of that. Because you're right. It happens a lot. And especially when someone hands a pink slip over and then the new owner generally registers it. Because new owners generally would like to own the car. If they sell the car, for example, they can't. And so that's generally the case. But some don't. Some don't register. They go. They think the sales uh, document is enough. So it's a question of dealing with the DMV. That's for starters. And then dealing with everybody else. Uh, Hey, Nick. Uh, welcome hey, so, to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? You know, I have a question about evicting someone I've let live in my property. There was a gentleman uh, who approached me about putting his camper on my property so, for two months back in November, and uh, that time has come and gone, and I would like him to get off. Do I have to follow eviction? Yep, uh, yep, you do, Nick. There's no way around it. Otherwise, he gets a lawsuit for retaliatory eviction or wrongful eviction. Yeah, you've got to go through it, unfortunately. And uh, and you need a landlord-tenant attorney. And with a trailer, that may even be a little bit more complicated. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's super ugly. And I mean, I, like, I have, I'm just getting ready to ask him. I just want yeah, to know. Yeah, no, you have to. If he says no, you absolutely have to. Or you can wait till he is, uh, you know, not there and torch the thing. Uh, and if you really dislike them, uh, you get no, 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 no. It's uh, yeah, you've got to. I can't just. I, I now, can't just wheel it out to the. Street no, and, I, you uh, can, well, you know, you can try and say, yeah, I'm wheeling this thing out because you're uh, uh, you're unlawfully keeping it, but you allowed him to be there. That's the problem. I would at least call a landlord tenant attorney because the only evictions I've ever done are people uh, in properties, so I've never done a trailer. Um, so. Oh, there was one time I did. It was a uh, a house in which uh, there was a uh, a gypsy family moved in. Some idiot who had a house uh, allowed a gypsy family who paid cash three months in advance. And, man, they were thrilled beyond belief. Well, by the time the three months was over, uh, they had two trailers in the front, one in the back, and 25 people in the house. And the only, way we, yeah, the only way we got them out is they ended up paying them $30,000, $35,000. Uh, so yes, oh. you you have to talk to a landlord tenant attorney, Nick. No, or fire. Uh, pardon? Or no, you or can't. The fire. Or the fire. Yeah. Or the uh, yeah. Oh, that's the other one. I'd go for the landlord tenant attorney. Uh, you can try the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. Defense attorneys actually who have specialized in defending arson cases. Uh, I'd go there first. Hello, Dan. Yes. Yes, sir. Hello, Bill. Yes. Uh, so I. Got a question about sure. um, uh, prenuptial. I'm, I met a woman, and she's six years my junior. Uh, she doesn't have any assets, and I have about $3 million. Ooh. 
So I I um I, I want to marry her, but uh, I have a uh, my question is I have a I know I need a prenuptial, but I have a prepaid legal service. No, like- no, no, no. Prepaid legal just gives you lawyers that make thirty five dollars an hour right out of law school. Okay, so it I doesn't. Better- you need you need a good family law attorney, and you're going to spend. Uh, a couple of $3,000 on it, whatever it is. But, Dan, this has to be airtight. And she needs an attorney that you are going to pay for to look at it. And it may cost you a few thousand dollars. But, Dan, the last thing you need is someone to come after you. And the money you're going to spend defending is going to cost you a bucket of money. So, Dan, have her sign, create an airtight separate property agreement, which, by the way, for you is easy to do because it's all separate property anyway. Uh, It's not as if you're starting a business, starting investments with her. Uh, Are you still working, Dan? Uh, I just retired. I just retired from a large oil company. Okay. All right. Well, good. So you have a good pension, I'm assuming, right? Social Security, 401Ks, you may get all that stuff, right? House that's paid for. You know, yes, you absolutely need a prenup, Dan. You've got to protect your ass. And if she's not willing to sign it, Dan... That tells you something. No, oh, that's exactly uh, what I wanted. I, you know, I, I need that advice. I really appreciate it. No, that's so. okay. I mean, it's just uh, there's, uh, and I don't. In both sides, I've heard uh, both men doing this and women doing this. Uh, but when one side has tons of money, the other side has nothing, and the relationship is fairly new. Uh, I would feel much better for you. Uh, you're 67, right? Yes, and she's 60. See, I'd feel so much better with you if she were 22. Uh, that would be such much better story, you know, that, I'd, you know, with the big, you know, with the big ones, you know what I'm saying? You know, the big Winnebago's, uh, that's where you want to go. All right, Dan, good luck. Take care. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome to Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, Dave, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I had kind of a problem. Uh, I, was, I started my divorce uh, the, like three months before December of last year. And I uh, was going through the paperwork. It was just kind of confusing, but I got it. I thought I got it all in just fine. And uh, once I got it in, the court sent me back. Now it's being contested. So I, then I hired an attorney. So this attorney, he charged me $2,500 a month for unlimited uh, legal fees. And uh, so we went to court. And, you know, the ex showed up and testified. We went through all that. The judge granted the divorce. Uh, so then he had like three weeks in order to uh, finish up getting the signatures and finishing up all the paperwork. Well, he never did. He never did refile it with the court and or anything. And so when I called him up to ask, well, let's finish this out, he said, well, you owe me, it went to another month. Now you owe me another $2,500. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. $10,000 invested in this guy. Yeah, no, that's not... A, all right, so he won't finish it, so all you do is hire another lawyer and sue him for whatever costs the other lawyer. That's all. Okay. That's a real simple one, and you tell him that. That's crazy. Uh, you it say, is. Yeah, just say, hey, you were supposed to file it on time. You didn't. 
Right. And now you want to nail, based on your failure to be timely, you now want to make $2,500 off of me? You're crazy. So I'm I'm going to, uh, actually, you really want to screw around him? Uh, take, him yeah. to, take, take him to the state bar. I think that's enough of a complaint because we're not talking about negligence. Uh, we're not talking about a uh, a dispute as to fees. We're talking about him. This is a moral turpitude issue that he's purposely going to argue that he he did not do the work purposely to get more money af- from you. That's what I would argue and say. You're buying a, tar- a bar. You, you know, you're buying a complaint. Let him know that. The court sent me some more paperwork saying that if I didn't comply and finish off the paperwork, they were going to uh, find me and him and the ex all five hundred dollars each. Just finish it up with another lawyer, Dave. Okay. And sue right. and just sue him. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's much. yeah. That's the easiest way of doing it. I don't understand that. I mean, that's uh, you know, not that I don't think lawyers should be sleazy. I understand it's their job. You know, we went to uh, when I went to law school. My first year, I'll never forget my first class, sleaze one hundred and one, and they taught me everything that I should be doing to screw over clients. But this one sort of crosses the line. I mean, it really does. I mean, come on. You know what it is? Is it's too ham-handed. He could be more clever about it. That's. I think that's what he should be nailed for. Hey, Mark. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hey, question. I work. I've worked for a couple of mom and pop company for like the last twenty years, and and you know I like to drink beer. So I've never had a problem. I've never had a DUI or uh, any kind of auto accident, or even a customer saying I smell like alcohol. But the 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 mom at the mom and pop company, she if I have a morning appointment. She asks me to take a, a blood alcohol content breathalyzer, and and I and nobody else at the company, even we had an employee that had two DUIs, ever had to do this. Is that legal? Uh, does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah, does it matter? I mean, uh, seriously, are you just? Is this hypothetical? Is it legal for them to do that, or you really don't want to do that, and you're willing to jeopardize your job for want of a breathalyzer, and you're, you know, you're well, pounding no, your I, fist I, saying, "I want out of there" because they can't I, do that. I, I've been, I've been doing it to keep her happy. Yeah, you know, but, but I mean, I just don't think it's it's fair. It may not be. They may not be. Uh, on the other hand, uh, they can say that's part of uh, what our job requirements are. Now, can they do that after you started working? Yeah, probably not. But then again, what do you? Let's say it's not legal, Mark. Now what? Literally, now what? What do you do with that? Well, if they if they fire me for not doing it, would I have legal? Nah, I don't uh, know. No one. There's no lawyers going to pick it up. Right. Okay. You know, I mean, you could. You can argue. Uh, yeah, you you certainly argue a discriminatory firing. Sure, you can. But yeah. it's not a constitutional issue. Maybe right to privacy. But you know, Mark, it takes two seconds to do a breathalyzer. I know. I understand. So just, I would just suck it up, especially that little breathalyzer tube. I would just suck it up and do it, and forget about the law, and just don't get upset. I tell you, the, the part that bothers me the most is they're having you do it and no and one else doing it, and there's no reason for them to discriminate against you, saying, "Okay, Mark, you do it, and no one else," unless they have a reason. We've seen. You're drunk. We think you're drunk. We smelled alcohol in your breath. Um, so uh, there's the answer. Do I know if it's legal or not? No idea. Do I know that you're crazy uh, not to do it? I do know that. Because it depends on how, what kind of how much you like your job. If they had me do that here, I'd do it all day long. Th- this is a great gig. I would s- literally stop my broadcast and say, "Excuse me, folks. I have to take a breathalyzer right now." 
And we'll have dead air for 10, 15, 30 seconds. And I would go ahead and do the breathalyzer test and come back saying, here I am. I'm back. All right. We shall return. This is Handle on the Law. Legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. In Florida, if you are a female person and if you've ever run into a police sergeant, uh, Lionel Marines uh, is his name. Uh, Well, if you did it last year, then there's a very good chance uh, that he has your name and that he has, that he either has or will be going after you in a sexual sense. He's accused of using law enforcement databases as a personal dating service, targeting at least 150 women, some of which he is alleged to have sex with on duty. So an internal investigation was launched after a citizen complaint that was filed by an adult female and her parents alleging that he followed her home after, quote, a chance brief encounter in a parking lot earlier that day. Have no idea what that meant. All right? It could be anywhere from a chance brief uh, brief encounter to a chance brief encounter. Either way. So uh, he goes to the family's home. He tells the parents that he was there to speak with their daughter regarding a, quote, domestic matter, uh, they refuse outright, and then he say, "What's he coming? What's he coming here for? Why?" So um, they ask for his name and the name of his supervisor. He refuses to give his name uh, before leaving, and then uh, part of the complaint is uh, the watch commander who actually gets his name because they track it down based on who he called, where he was, etc. Confronted. Uh, the cop, Marines, who said that he followed the woman to her home because one of her headlights wasn't working property, properly and he thought she might be impaired. Problem was, she was not impaired. Uh, her headlight was working fine, and cops don't follow people home. They just pull them over. And so the stories didn't match up, the chief said. And he ordered a further investigation uh, which led to an audit of uh, Marine's driver license and vehicle registration record use. Because every time you call in a driver's license, uh, a VIN, VI number, VIN, uh, vehicle identification number in, when they stop you, of course, they call it in, they found out there's 150 of them that made no sense, and they were all to women, all of them. And so needless to say, uh, you don't have to worry about him stopping you anymore. He is done, finished, and looking at some uh, serious uh, criminal violations also. All right, let's go ahead and take uh, a phone call or two. All right, uh, Linda. Hello, Linda. Welcome. Hi. 
Yes, I question. I was walking in a parking lot. A man was uh, hosing down a worker there, was hosing down an area that apparently had some kind of a spill. Uh, he had it coned off. I was walking around the cones, and uh, he was Hispanic and kind of frankly yelling at me in Spanish. I didn't know what he was saying. And then I took a step and just went sliding. There was some kind of slick. Oh, all right. Yeah, so so I, he so uh, he was spraying away from the cone, correct? Yeah. Okay, so you weren't getting water where you were. No, I went around his. Okay, so you area. went around. Okay, so you didn't get wet from the water at all, and this is important. You didn't get wet from the water. No. Okay, it was just he was watering, and then you went around the cone and slipped on whatever was slippery, and he yelled at you in Spanish something. Yeah, he was yelling as I was approaching. Okay, no, no, it's good. No, that's good. That's why I wanted to ask about the water part, because uh, there's no way that they can argue uh, that you should have known, or there's comparative negligence, or, gee, uh, there was water you could already see, and he was spraying. None of that. All right, how badly were you banged up? Well... Uh, sprained ankle and um, so far not impressive. My thigh is my thigh muscle and my other leg is seems to be uh, torn or injured today. What do you mean um, torn? Well, I don't. It's not torn. I don't think it's just injured. What, and what is? And by the way, Linda, what does injured mean when you talk about? I already heard about the sprain. That is an understandable injury. Uh, injured my, thigh. What does that mean? Well, my thigh muscle. On my right leg, kind of stayed back so it was stretched beyond what it usually does. Yeah, that's called a hard workout, by the way. I just had one of those uh, <laughs> where my quads, uh, my trainer yeah. stretched my quads a lot harder than it should have. And I hurt like hell for a couple of days. So, Linda, yeah. let me start with uh, on the surface, it seems like a very good case negligence wise. Uh, because the guy was yelling at you in Spanish, which you didn't understand. Uh, the watering happened away from the cone. You walked outside the cone. So clearly you were doing everything right and they were doing everything wrong. However, Linda, no one cares about a sprained ankle. I know. I mean, that's it. No one cares. I'd feel much better uh, legally if you had to take your leg off. That's a case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, you weren't injured enough for a case. See, that's a heartbreak for a personal injury lawyer. When you have a good case, the the liability is there 100%, and you have the very bad taste uh, to be slightly injured. Let me tell you, you break someone's heart with that one, you know? All right, Colleen. Hi, Colleen. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Um, I need to find out if there is a statute of limitations on a violation of your constitutional rights. Okay. I mean, I imagine there is. What happened to you that we can start talking um, about it? Okay. I was um, I was in jail, and um, they accused me of having drugs on me. Okay. Um, I denied it, of course, and um, they threatened me with all kinds of things, and um, they asked me if I would take an x-ray. The watch commander asked me if I would um, submit to an x-ray, and I said no. And he said, why not? And I said, because I might be pregnant. You might and, be pregnant. Right. You didn't. Be. You didn't know if you were pregnant or not. Correct. I would have only been like maybe six weeks pregnant or something. Okay. Um, um, he freaked out and started yelling at me, telling me that if the baby died because the drugs broke inside me, that he would charge me with murder and on and on. Well, they went to a judge and tried to get a, a body cavity search warrant from the judge. The judge refused to sign it, saying he wasn't going to violate my rights on the word of another inmate. And um, they took me down to a county hospital. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. 
uh, on the word of another inmate, not right. not the uh, the warden who said uh, that that you needed to do this, and you said no. It's another Correct. inmate. I don't call, I don't understand what the other inmate uh, inmate the had other, to do with this. The other inmate accused me of having the drugs. Oh, okay, got it. And um, the judge refused to sign it and said no. He wasn't. They took me down to county hospital and had it done anyways. Well, I, you, g- and, give your your X ray. Okay, were you pregnant by no, the way? No, 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 no. Not the X ray. The judge refused to sign the body cavity search warrant. So what happened? They took me down to county hospital and did the body cavity search. Oh, they did it anyway. Okay. Yes. Kicking and screaming the whole time. Um, when I went to court, my public defender told me that um, I should sue the heck out of the county that this was in, um, that um, they violated my constitutional rights over and over and over again. That same public defender is now a judge trying cases in um, in a different city, same county but a different city. Um, to This was 20 years ago, though. Oh, it's so gone. Colleen, no oh, could, good God, 20 years ago? no way I could sue No, right. no. And by the way, were you pregnant? Yes, I was. Okay, but no. You, why'd you wait? Why, do you, why would you wait 20 years? Um, I don't know. I do. Circumstances. Oh, no, 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 no. I know exactly why you'd wait 20 years. Why is that? Because you're not real bright about this sort of thing. Oh, I actually I am. But, How um, so? Wait, oh, oh, you are bright about this sort of thing? Explain to me why yeah. you would wait 20 years then, Colleen. Well, um, circumstances. Like what? Circumstances have changed. Like what? Can like, I ask? I used to be using drugs, and now I'm not, and um, the light bulb has come on. Oh. All right. Circumstances have changed. All right. So let's go back to you used to be. Uh, so let me take your kind of dumb for not filing the suit appropriately and let's move it to you're incredibly dumb for doing the drugs what do you think i'll agree with both okay excellent thanks for calling a real pleasure this is handle on the law welcome back to kfi am 640 more stimulating talk bill handle here this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hi, Jessica. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hi. Yes. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Great. I'm beyond great. good. I'm. Thanks for asking because I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I'm great actually. Yeah, Jessica, I hate answering that. Okay, what can I, I do for you? you? Know, I know. Okay, so my husband and I went into business with family. About a year and a half ago, big mistake. We learned our lesson, obviously, at the tune of about one hundred and forty thousand dollars. What kind of business, by the way, Jessica? Oh, you're going to love this. Sober living home and IOP, intensive outpatient program. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm going to love it, but uh, well, because it's awful. It's horrible. Oh, it's a horrible business, or uh, your shady business. Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, And I didn't know that. I have no idea how it works. Okay. Pretty shady. Yeah, so when I considered it, I was too yeah. I was too drunk to uh, even consider it. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, what's going on is we got out. Well, we were actually kind of kicked out of the business because things started going sour, and we were told we need to walk away on a handshake, and that's it. Or he's walking down there and he's gonna lock the doors. So we walked away. We were getting a little bit of payment from him. Whatever. We're never gonna see the money. We know that. And if we try to sue him for it. It's way too much to get the lawyer for just a judgment that he'll never pay on probably the thing is is our name is on a lease yeah it's a problem 
Yeah. Yeah. And so your question is, uh, are you still... $38,000 is left. Yeah. Well, you get to talk to... And the business is still in business or not? Nope. Closing down. Then you talk You talk to the landlord and try to get out of it. And you, you negotiate... You, you ne- we have anything, even though we're not on any documents for the business. We got out. No, but you're, on, you're, you're, ago, but you're on the document for a lease that says you yes. are going to pay the monthly rent. Yes. Do you think the landlord cares that the business is viable, not viable, making money, not making money, who's um, mm-hmm. uh, who's connected, who is not connected? No, you're on the hook for the lease. And so it's time to negotiate with the landlord saying, hey, uh, you know, I want out of the lease. What's it going to cost me? Allowing him, mm-hmm. well, it's already there. I'm assuming it's for rent, right? I mean, they're still occupying the space. Oh, that's even worse. You're talking about the uh, who's occupying the state uh, space? Your brother? The, the business? Oh, yes. yeah. They're then there's occupying th- it. Yeah, then until there's they go out of business. Okay, then there's absolutely uh, nothing you can do with uh, the landlord, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, the argument is, if you abandon the business and you still owe on the lease, the landlord has the obligation to uh, m- m- uh, to ameliorate his damages, to mitigate his damage. Which means that the landlord has to put it up for lease immediately. Although, how many months are we talking about that are left? Twelve. Oh well, okay. So uh, he so he would uh, uh, put it up for rent, for example, and maybe take a couple of months or a month to fix it up and put it out there. And so maybe six months uh, he would be able to release the property, which means you'd only be on the hook for six months. Because he can't. So the landlord has to has to lease it immediately. He has to try. Yeah, he has to he has to make okay. all he has to make all reasonable attempts to try to lease it. Great. Okay. However, the okay. business is. But wait a sec. The business is still there, and the rent's being paid. Well, and it's and it's about to stop come December first. Well, I understand. Then December first, when everything is out of there, and you let the landlord know it, we're out of there. Uh, it is your duty to try to mitigate your damages and uh, try to release the property. He has to make reasonable okay. attempts to try to release okay. it. Now, uh, does he have to repaint? Does he have to fix anything? Uh, mm-hmm. All of that is part of it. That could take two, three weeks. But yeah. uh, the only shot you have is to get everything out of there, let him know, uh, don't let him know that you're that you're not going to pay the the uh, the amount of money because the second you tell him you're not going to pay at that point he has a lawsuit against you. So you want to do all of this before that and uh, and then try to negotiate. I don't have anything more. You have to find uh, a reasonable tenant. Can we talk? Is it worth it to have a lawyer uh, drop a letter saying hey, yeah yeah any, yeah any money coming in? You better yeah. be paying off this lease before anything else. Uh, who's pay? Who better be paying off this lease? The business, because they're hanging out for the next few weeks, waiting for insurance companies to pay the rest of the money. Well, I mean that may be that may be legitimate that they're waiting for the insurance company. How much money are they uh, look? Are they uh, looking at? <laughs> well, not it's not going to come in within the next few weeks, but they have about five hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand in billing still out there that the insurance companies are not paying. And are they never going? And are they never going uh, to pay? It's really, you know what, things are cracking down on these sober living homes and this whole thing because a lot of fraud happens, and insurance companies are trying like heck to not have Yeah, to I understand, but is, uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, and I'm not going to ask you if fraud because yeah. I, I don't want you to answer that, but no, can... No, I don't believe the company's fraud. Okay, so like can it be, but can it be interpreted uh, by an insurance company that it is fraud or they're just manufacturing that out of whole cloth when it comes to your no. business? Yeah, 
No, I would say no with them. I would say it's not fraud with this company. No. Okay. Well, then um, uh, you still they it's, it's for work it's already due. The business doesn't have to stay open. It still owes uh, the individuals still get the amount of money. The business can. Yeah. You don't want to close down the business. What you want to do is just leave the premises. Yes. Yeah. And you stay open just to collect the money. Yes. So uh, that's what I'm hearing is going to happen. But I'm wondering if I should have a lawyer drop a letter and say, hey, when you start getting this money coming in, you need to pay off the lease. You're on the hook for the lease. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. You want. Yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Jessica, you want a letter from a lawyer laying okay. it out and saying okay. to your brother, we're going to sue your asses off. I've got a lawyer. We know I've been retained by Jessica okay. to look into this. Yeah. You want to let uh, your brother know that you are okay. covered with a lawyer. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. I'm a little bit steady, but still a little bit rolling stone. I'm a little bit heaven, but still a little bit flesh and bone. Little foul, little don't know where I am. I'm a little bit holy water, but still a little bit burning man. Burning man. Still just a burn, burn. This is. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Hey, Oscar. Oh, hello. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay. I received that by mail a red light ticket, you know, those things that they, where they take your photo. But all they have is a glare across the windshield. You can't recognize anybody behind the wheel. Now, they're asking, is this me or or is this myself or I'm supposed to turn in whoever was driving? Can they do that? Is that ticket fightable? Uh, yeah, I think it is. First of all, uh, they can't prove it's you. And they say you've got to tell whoever is who was ever there. And you can say, I don't know who was driving it. I've loaned the car to several people. But you can't lie. See, that's the problem. Uh, they can't force you to tell who it is. Uh, because that makes you a witness, and they can't force you to be a witness without a subpoena. Maybe they can when it comes to uh, camera tickets, uh, but uh, that's actually a good question. How do you do? How do you deal with that without lying, other than saying it's not me? Well, on mine, it's pretty simple. All you do see is a glare across the window. No, I understand. I understand. But they're uh, uh, but they're saying it's you. And what if you just say it's not me? Yeah, it wasn't me. I, okay, I then you say it wasn't. Then you just say. It, then you just simply say it wasn't me. See how that works. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, give him a shot. Say not guilty. It wasn't me. Okay. Okay. Even though it probably was. Uh, yeah. But you know, if it wasn't, it wasn't. I get that. Uh, but you see, they're going to say, "Yeah, well, who else? Right? You know, who'd you rent the car to? Yeah." Uh, Fred, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Fred. Hello. Yes. Okay, I work for a plumbing company, and I'm under a contractor's license. Now, if there's ever a lawsuit or somebody gets injured, am I held liable also? Is it your license? No. Well, okay, so you, you're an employee of a plumbing company, correct? Yes. Uh, and they have the license? Yes. Why would you be responsible? Uh, I don't know. I'm just asking. Uh, no, you're not responsible. Okay. If you're an employee and it's not your license, no, you're an employee. 
Okay. Okay. Even though I'm on the license, I, and it says officer. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. You, your name is on the license. Yes. Then you, then it is your license. Okay. Uh, okay, but there's also additional names. On Doesn't the matter. All of you are liable. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah, you're on the hook, Fred. Uh-oh. Yeah, so okay. get get so have them stop using that license. Get get your name off that license. And it, I call, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Even though I'm not the RMO. Does it it doesn't matter. And what's an RMO by the way? Uh responsible managing officer. No, you because it's your license. Whoever they're going to go after the license, uh, the whoever has the license, the licensee. Call the contractor's licensing board and get get your name off of it. Okay, okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Is your name on it? No. Then I just ask: Are you on the license? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, but wait a minute. My name is on it. Did I just miss something there? Would you hire him as a plumber? I wouldn't. Hey, Greg. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Got a question, Bill. Uh, recently, I was out in Santa Fe, New Mexico, to buy a, a motorcycle. On the way back, I stopped in Flagstaff at a Comfort Inn, asked them where I can park this, this truck and trailer, and they told me, go down the side of the building and park it against the curb towards the back. On the other side from the curb is all head-in parking. So you get enough berth for a semi-truck to drive up and down there with everybody parked. So early on a Saturday morning, I got up. I go out to the trailer to make sure the tie-downs are fast on the motorcycle holding it to the trailer. And a Dodge minivan backs into the side of my truck pulling out of the parking lot. So I yelled, and the guy pulled back in. And this, he looked like a Chinese guy, an old guy. And he, he gets out. He didn't say a word to me, never spoke to me at all. But the woman, she spoke very good English. I don't know if it was his wife or his daughter. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. He didn't see it. Long story short, uh, you know, it was an Alamo rental car from LAX. So I took down all the pertinent information. And as soon as they left, I called Alamo to let them know that one of your customers backed into the side of my truck. So they took down the information. They said they'd be in touch with me. Then I called my insurance company, and they said, you've got a $500 deductible on your collision policy. You can have it fixed when you come back. And I said, now, look, I'm not paying a dime on this. They backed into me. The vehicle was against the curb, locked, parked. I wasn't even in it. And what does your insurance company say to that? Well, they said uh, they already – right now they said they've already – got a check to the body shop that they referred me to, which I'm right. fine with. But it's only for $1,500, less the $500 deductible. You know, the, the repair is going to be like $2,007. Right. And I said, forget it. You go after Alamo's insurance to get the money. My truck will sit here at my house. I mean, I can still drive it, but I'm not paying the freight. Let them pay the freight. Now, I talked to my insurance company and said there's no guarantee that they can get the right. deductible back. There, there is no guarantee. Well, what do I do? Yeah, all you do is sue uh, Alamo or sue the Chinese driver. 
the old yeah. Chinese driver who probably gave you all the information on the back of a fortune cookie because they uh, they tend to do that. Very small letters on those little rectangular pieces of paper. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? That's just what happens. And you're telling your own in China. I'm sorry. He's from mainland China. Then there's not. Then sue. Then sue him in China. I mean, there literally is nothing you can do. Your insurance company. You have a deal with your insurance company. You file under underinsured or uninsured motors, which effectively is what you have going right there. That's what you have. And uh, they're saying we'll cover up to a five. We'll deduct five hundred dollars. That's your deductible. That's your deal. So why Alamo is Alamo's customer is the one that caused? I get it. So sue Alamo for the five hundred dollars. Well, can I take that 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 issue to small claims court against Alamo? Probably for the five hundred. Yeah, probably. Okay, that's that. And I would take I would take them for the full amount actually because you want to pay your insurance company back because that under an uninsured motorist. Well, I don't know if they ding you for that. Probably not. Uh, Yeah, just go for the five hundred dollars. And if the okay. insur- the insurance company may want to go after them for the rest of it, because that's uh, uh, they uh, they subrogate that. If they can get their money back, they will. So uh, that's all you can do. Sue the guy in China. He's in China. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, never eat at Chinese restaurants again. That's what I would do. I'll show him. That's it. We're done. Friend of yours is go eat Chinese. No, no, not interested. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Uh, Hello, Bob. Welcome to Handle on the Law. How you doing? Yes, sir. Okay, so. My daughter works at a restaurant out here in Westlake Village, and they were opening up in Santa Barbara. And it was school break, so she said, yes, I'll move there. She hung out with uh, a girl that had an open room because the other girl uh, was from the East Coast. So on her day off, her and two co-workers uh, rented a, uh, one of these three-wheel vehicles that I guess they're gassed. And... Um, my daughter Kaylee signed for it, and I should probably shouldn't use uh, word names, but and the girl co-signed for it, and then you had this boy. So she didn't really know him that well, but they worked together. And my daughter said to the two of them, "Stay here for a second. I'm going to get a cup of coffee right next to where you rent this. It's on State Street in Santa Barbara." She comes out and they're gone, and she hears a siren. Evidently, the girl was driving, but the boy was completely intoxicated. And for the record, my daughter had nothing in her system. She just happened to sign for it. Turned it over. They hit a car, but that wasn't the issue. Both the kids lost almost all their teeth. And I'm being sued now by an attorney um, with my insurance company um, because my daughter was the signer. Nah, that doesn't Um, work. Uh, just because your daughter signed for it, they took it. Uh, no, your daughter is not responsible for their injury just because she signed with the company that rented the three-wheeler. There's no connection there, Bob. It's just what they're doing is simply trying to get anybody who has insurance to try to cough up. Turn it over to your insurance company. Uh, have you turned it over yet to your insurance company? Yeah, no, they, they went directly to my insurance Okay, company, good. So still under investigation. Fine. So they're, what? But they're... They're going to deny the claim, and I'm assuming, though, that this rental company is going to come after me. Well, uh, that may be the case. 
that may be the case. Not the people that lost their teeth. The rental company for the value of the uh, car or the value of the three-wheeler, oh, yeah, they're going to come after your daughter. You bet. Yeah, and they're coming after me for twenty thousand. Nah, that's crap. Nah, well, come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just that's just stupid. Loss of usage because they have insurance. But it's going to cost me money. Yeah, it is. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you uh, the value of the three wheeler. That's what it's going to cost you. So you know, no, 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 I get it. It's just one of those situations. One of those situations where your daughter, uh, unfortunately, signed. And she's not even being stupid. It's not even her uh, being dumb, where I can yell at uh, at her for being a cretin. It just happened. She signed. Uh, I my daughter would have done the same thing. And you got just a a couple of people that were a bunch of jerks. uh, And it's going to cost your daughter. Uh, the value of the three wheeler, not the twenty. The loss of use is crap. They can go let out. And, what, they can buy. They can go out and get one tomorrow afternoon. What? Yeah, the girl that co-signed. Yeah. Is is liable too? Yes, just as she just as responsible. Yes, just as responsible. Right. So I got to. Uh, yeah. Her, uh, yeah. Yeah. Her, you're gonna have to get uh, her involved. Ventura County judge. Yeah, you're gonna have so, to get her involved too. You're gonna count. You have to counter sue against her. And that's, uh, it's tough. I mean, it's just no fun. And I can't even yell at anybody. You know, got drunk, uh, just lost their teeth. I should do my commercial now for, uh, you know, your implants, but I won't. Uh, Hi, Bill. That's an easy name to remember. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Hey, thank you, Bill. Sure. Uh, We have always been very fortunate in having an extremely good credit rating, uh, over 800 out of the blue, maybe about a month ago, I got a call from a credit card that our limit had been significantly reduced. They could give me no reason as to why, and uh, except to say they had a bad report come in on me from one of the reporting agencies. It turned out to be experienced. We asked everybody we could conceive of. Nobody, I mean, we owe nothing on the house. We know nothing on the car. Right. We're absolutely 100% uh, debt-free. So out of the blue, my wife had an idea. We went to our bank, and long story short, we have a daughter who is 26 for whom I co-signed a credit card about four years ago. And I'm not making excuses for her. She was in a horrible accident, uh, but fortunately she's okay. But she defaulted on a credit card, and we... When, uh, literally, we went into a bank, the uh, branch manager, found out what had happened, and within 15 minutes paid it off 100% from our own private account. And Wells Fargo is telling me that they are working diligently to get my credit restored. And my question is simply, why wasn't I, as a co-signer, made aware of this no, problem. I, no idea, Bill. No idea. And it makes no sense. Other than how much of, uh, how big was the bill uh, that you defaulted on? How much money? It was It was about, she owed about uh, 8600 bucks. I think it was. Well, that's pretty substantial. Uh, oh, you better if it had been If it had been a smaller amount of money, I would have said it's just, they just wrote it off. They don't care. But $8,600 is enough that, you know, they should have tried to collect, and you think they would have collected from you. So a couple of things uh, that I can think of. 
Uh, number one, maybe their cutoff is higher than that, where they'd rather just write it off. Uh, but that doesn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't take much to collect it. Or you had a collector or uh, a, maybe a, a law firm uh, where someone just let it slip through the cracks and it just either it was inadvertent or the person was lazy. That's all I can think of. Uh, but in any case, that doesn't even matter. Uh, obviously, the important thing is building your credit back or bringing it back to where it was. And if Wells Fargo is willing to help you on that, it's just a little bit of pressure. Now, keep in mind uh, that Wells Fargo, have they uh, offered to do it? Uh, they said they're willing to uh, bring your credit back, correct? That is correct. Good. The branch manager says they are working on it. Great. And, and you and you want to tell them, please don't open 22 new accounts on your behalf without telling <laughs> you. That's part of it, too. Correct. All right. Anyway, that's uh, those are the reasons, and you're doing everything right. There's not much more. There is very little more that you can do on that. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I, Bill Handle, tell you, whatever the hell your name is, you have absolutely no case. Oh, man. Here is a case out of Germany, and uh, this has several levels, none of them very good. But we don't have the man's name for some reason. Germany is uh, not releasing his name, but he has been jailed for life by poisoning co-workers' sandwiches. And I mean poisoning them. And over a course of years... We're not talking about a singular incident. Uh, The man, what he did is add dangerous uh, heavy metals to food items at the factory where he worked. And this was over the course of years. And uh, the court, when he was tried, found him guilty of attempted murder, imposed the maximum sentence of 50, uh, how much was it? Life imprisonment, like forever. And the judge said the crimes were as serious as murder, although no one died. Now, two victims have been left with serious kidney damage, and a third is in a coma, in a vegetative state. And so uh, that's pretty close to murder, although it's not. So what was his defense? And this is the part that uh, is very scary for a defendant in Germany. He wouldn't uh, speak during the trial, which, of course, no one ever does, uh, especially here in the United States. But a mental health expert for the defense uh, came into court and said that he really didn't intend to kill anybody. He really didn't mean to harm them. He just wanted to know how the poison would affect his colleagues. It's like a scientist performing tests on a rabbit. Now, keep in mind, this is Germany, where there was human testing of uh, prisoners and Holocaust victims, Uh, and that's what the German scientists did. So this really is a sensitive issue there. A security camera had captured him opening a co-worker's lunchbox and putting some substance on the sandwich inside and uh, in the bag. Now they started suspecting him. They stopped him at work. Uh, They searched his bag, and a small body of what's quoted powdery substance was found, and it turned out to be poison with heavy metals inside. The owner of the sandwich uh, raised the alarm 
after discussing, uh, discovering this stuff smeared on his lunch, he went to management, who in turn notified the police. And uh, this is, uh, man, that's scary stuff. And good for good for the court giving him life imprisonment. Oh, and in Europe, when uh, you get life imprisonment, you do life. There's none of this off for good behavior stuff. You're not front of parole boards. You're in for life. I mean, you die in prison. And if you go to some prisons in Europe, not not the greatest place in the world. Uh, you don't have cable TV in your cell for sure. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hey, Chris, uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. This is uh, Chris. Yes, First it time, is. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I was in a traffic accident on Tuesday, and I was struck by a lady making a left on Tampa, and I was continuing straight. She was making a left onto another street. Um, I had my father with me in the car. He seems to be okay. But I'm a primary caregiver for my dad, and he has a multitude of um, health issues, and it looks like the car's a total loss. And I have to deliver him to weekly chemo treatments, treatments for mild dementia, um, hydrocephalus, all kinds of different stuff. And she has insurance but no license. I'm wondering, do I get an attorney or do I let her insurance play out? Well, at this point, what you do is you rent a car, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the insurance may not cover it at all because insurance probably doesn't cover unlicensed drivers. Uh, so you're probably going to have to sue the individual personally. Uh, and uh, that become unlicensed drivers uh, generally don't have a whole lot of she assets. Had insurance. She had insurance, but she didn't have a license. Yeah. Well, see, here's the problem. If you, uh, if you have insurance, uh, right there in the policy says you have to have a license. Okay. They're not going to insure non-licensed persons, so she doesn't have insurance. Okay. All right, that's for starters. They the report, and they said, oh, there's insurance, but no license. So they cited her, but I don't know what. I read the policy. I can't imagine that a policy will cover anybody who is not licensed, especially okay. the policy. I have uninsured. That's where you're going to go. That's where you're okay. going to go, Chris. You're going to go okay. to your uninsured motorists, and your uh, a claim's going to be put in for your dad. Yes, you uh, definitely. Well, it depends. Uh, you depends on how badly your dad is injured. If your dad is uh, banged up pretty good, and it's a complicated case because yeah. there's pre-existing conditions, Chris. Okay. And uh, so uh, what the insurance company – now, you're going to be arguing against your own insurance company, but it doesn't matter. You have to pretend your insurance company is the other person's insurance company. So it becomes an adversarial relationship. And they're going to argue the same thing. No, your dad was so screwed up uh, that this accident caused virtually no damage, no additional injury, and you're going to argue, but wait a minute, that's not true. It exacerbated existing injuries, and he would have been far better off. He didn't have the accident. This is where you need a personal injury lawyer to get in on okay. this, Chris. Uh, and I would do that right now, uh, and we'll help you probably with a car rental. But you got to go rent a car before anything else. I mean, you need a yeah. car. And that yeah. will be covered, by the way, with your uninsured motorist. So you should be okay on that, okay? So okay. If, you don't, if you don't have a lawyer, go to handleonthelaw.com. Uh, there are about eight zillion of those lawyers on there that would be more than happy to help you. All right. Thank you. All right. Giannini, uh, hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, how's it going? Yes, sir. Um, got a partnership that is uh, needs to dissolve, and I've got 40%. My partner has 60. I'm trying to exit. I've given them options as a promissory note, buying me out, uh, retaining my 40% with certain rules, and I just want to know what are my options. As your, your options are simply dissolve the partnership. 
I mean, you're allowed to dissolve a partnership. They can't. You can't be kept in a partnership for the rest of your life. And, and then trying that, and I've given him all the options. But if he doesn't want to take the options, then you just get a lawyer and you move to dissolve the partnership. That's it. Okay. And then you're just done. And then there's a lawsuit. Matter of fact, I don't even think you need a. Uh, I don't even know if there's a legal maneuver to dissolve the partnership. Eh, there may be, and if there is, I don't know how it works. But uh, the bottom line: nothing forces you to stay in a partnership. And then you dissolve the partnership. Uh, you let all the customers know that the partnership is no longer valid. You're out of it. And then you negotiate with uh, your partner. And then if negotiations don't go well, that's when the lawsuit hits. Okay, because I'm trying to get bought out or... Well, he doesn't have to buy you out either. He, uh, It's yeah. in the end, if there's no agreement, that's when the lawsuit hits. And you, the court just figures out... What percentage? I mean, they'll look at the partnership agreement, 60-40, for example. And uh, if there is a dollar to split up, your partner gets 60, you get 40. Uh, Value the customers, uh, the contracts that you currently have, assuming you both want to stay in the business. Basically be liquidating the company. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, Yeah, basically. Okay. What do you do, by the way? What is the partnership about? Uh. I'd rather not say just because it's in the middle of middle of it. But uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, would it be that small claims would probably be the best because we're not talking a large sum of money. Maybe, maybe. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah, all right. Thank you for uh, it's so important that you don't want to share it because you're in the middle of it. Uh, yeah, I know. Really important stuff. I love that. Well, I, have, I can't share that with you because uh, it's so important. Yeah. This is Handle on the Law. Let's sing an anchor from the And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Uh, pleasure having you here. And this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, hello, David. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Because I don't care. Hey, I had a doctor do um, a surgery on my foot that turned out to be not medically necessary. They found this out because I ended up getting an infection and went to a different uh, hospital in an emergency room. And uh, that doctor there told me that I should sue. And I've been, you know, trying to figure it out. Do I sue for malpractice? Yes. Or medical battery? No, there's no medical battery is crazy. You do, you'll sue for malpractice. Uh, you know what? Maybe you can argue for Meadow Mel. No, you're not going to argue because he's going to argue that he thought it was necessary surgery. Uh, so that's not going to be battery. It's going to be an issue of you didn't need the surgery. And, uh, and it's not going to be your call anyway. It's going to be a malpractice attorney who's going to file the lawsuit. And I have not heard of medical battery uh, under these circumstances uh, because it's his opinion. Now, his opinion may be wrong, uh, which you're going to argue. Uh, so as a result of uh, all of this, uh, so you had a surgery you didn't need. You got an infection. Uh, did you lose your foot? Um, no. That's unfortunate but, legally. That would have helped a lot had you lost your foot. Uh, it, have you lost? Out, go ahead. It, it turned out that um, in the medical reports, he lied and right. um, failed failed to do an MRI. All right. And he said he did one? Standard procedure. Uh, he said that the patient refused an MRI, but he did the surgery anyway. Ah, all right. Well, uh, he can say that. Now, he's going to say you did. Uh, you're going to say you didn't. 
and uh, you're, I wish someone else was in the room, and uh, uh, strangely enough, there won't have been anybody else in the room to uh, verify what he said, uh, which is kind of interesting, and um, I think you're still going to be fine. Uh, Now, since you didn't lose your foot, did you lose any toes? No. That's unfortunate, on, uh, too. Uh, did you... I a cane for four months. Four months of a cane. Uh, any permanent prognosis, any permanent injury that is going to affect you for the rest of your life? Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's per- permanent damage is excellent. Uh, you're, um, yeah. Have you talked to a me- uh, medical malpractice attorney yet? Um, I have. Okay. Go ahead. One said there's no case, another said there is a case. Yeah, well, then you want to. I would go to the one that says there is a case. Just that's just my personal advice, because the one that says no case, two things are going to happen. Uh, number one, he's probably not going to do a very good job, and he's probably not going to do a very good job on a case he's not going to take. True. Okay, there you go, and good luck to you. See, that was a good answer. Permanent damage? Yes. Yeah. This is the PI lawyer in me. Uh, that uh, which I'm not, but it's it's one of those things that's genetic. You know how uh, with lawyers, uh, there's just a visceral reaction you can't get away from. It's very Pavlovian. You know the way dogs uh, react a certain way uh, that they just naturally. It, it's like breeding of dogs. Uh, little schnauzers are ratters. Uh, they were bred to be ratters, and they just go there, bloodhounds. Just even if you never train them to go out and sniff around. Uh, they they can't help themselves. It's just what they do. That's what dogs of that ilk do. Well, the same thing with lawyers. Uh, with lawyers, there's just a genetic component. And just having graduated law school, when there is an injury, you immediately go to, okay, let's sue. This is good stuff. All right, Jose. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. I got a, I got a question for you. Uh, back in March, I purchased a mattress on installment through a local high school fundraiser. Um, After the the last installment, the company said that they would have my bed ready for me within two weeks. I gave them two months, and they still didn't have my mattress ready. Okay, how much money did you Uh, spend? 1,700 bucks. There's your lawsuit against the company. Small claims? Yep, absolutely, and that may just actually get them started. What I would do is say, hey, here's the deal. Is, Is it a local store? No, it was a. It's a company that does uh, fundraising through high schools or high schools. Oh, okay. It's a. Uh, yeah, you know what I would do is um, obviously uh, say I'm going to sue you if you don't produce the mattress. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. uh, I'm going to. And you can't say uh, I will do it unless you, because that's extortion. But just say yeah. here's what you did. Uh, you screwed me. I'm going to contact all of the local high schools in the area, and I would send emails to all the principals and say, hey, if this guy comes up to you, he ripped me off. Right. Not that he rips okay. people off. You have to be very careful about this, Jose. You can't accuse yeah. him of being a rip-off artist, but just this is what he promised me. I paid the money, and right. he breached. I just want to give you a heads up. And tell them you're going to do that. Tell the company you're going to do that. Now, they may say too bad we don't care and you end up in small claims court i don't know how you're going to lose that one here's the money i even got my mattress what's a judge going to say but um that's uh, that's what i would do yeah because I've, I've talked to them they want to give me a partial refund no 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 you yeah. go no no yeah you, you want your mattress your or your money back I, at this point i just want my money back then you get it then get your money back terrible. then and sue them in small yeah. claims court and say you want the money back okay okay 
right. Bye. Why would anybody buy a bed through a fundraiser at a high school? I mean, literally. I mean, I, well, I'll tell you why. Because it's a donation, I guess, to the fundraiser. So it's a deductible expense. So theoretically, you're supposed to get the value of the bed, maybe the wholesale value and the rest. Uh, bottom line, go to a mattress store. Do yourself a favor. A fundraiser. I've never even, I've never even heard of buying a mattress through a fundraiser. I mean, I've been to a, a lot of galas. A lot of fundraising events, you know, where they have the silent auctions and they auction stuff off. As a matter of fact, uh, the big auction that uh, we're involved with, my the local radio station, KFI, every year we do something called Postathon where we auction off, for example, coming into the studio with me and uh, having breakfast. And there's never been a time where anybody has done that hasn't said, that's way overpriced. I don't care the money I paid. It wasn't worth it. But we raise the money and it's a taxable, uh, it's a uh, deductible expense. So the galas, you know, you gift baskets and tickets to games and uh, a photographer coming out, professional photographer, and taking care, uh, taking pictures of your family. I've never seen a mattress. Never, ever have seen, here's a mattress. This is Handle on the Law. I'll give you one. This is KFI AM 640 for Stimulating Talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for Marginal Legal Advice. Hi, Anna. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Um, I have um, something to ask you. wonder what you're thinking about, uh, what I'm going to say. Um, uh, we, we lived on property for many, many years and um, over 30 years, and I also worked all my life. I, I worked in, in hospitals and so forth, and uh, I only get about 600 and something dollars. And uh, my husband, uh, he inquired many times with Social Security, saying, why do we get so little? And um, uh, they said it's because we didn't pay rent. And uh, wait, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, hold on. Paying rent has nothing to do with Social Security. Did you make an appointment at the Social Security office and talk to a Social Security clerk? No, my husband didn't. That's what you have to do. He was always busy. Anna, Anna, that's what you have to do. Oh, is that what Absolutely. You've got to sit in front of a clerk and go, hey. Well, I did. I did because. Um, and what did the clerk say? Uh, when my husband passed away, right. I what, had to go to Social Security. What did the clerk say, Anna? And they, they didn't. Uh, they said that's what we get, and that's it. Did they explain why that's what we get? Did they, it have to do with you get half they, half of what? Many, he, many times, that's what they said. Okay. That I didn't pay. We didn't pay rent. I don't but understand. Now, that. Uh, my accountant, I I told them about that. And um, she she called Social Security, and she found out it's because it was put down as we were um, uh, owners, business owners. It doesn't make any difference, Anna. If you paid into Social Security, then you get your money, uh, you get your Social Security. Now, if you're business owners and not employees, that may be a different issue. That's what they put us down there. We did run the building like our own. Okay, but, but it I doesn't. So, did you get? Anything. Did you get Anna? Did you get paid? Oh yes. Okay, and Absolutely. did and was Social Security taken out of your pay? Oh yes. Okay, then then it's a question of how much money went in. They take an average of the last thirty five years or whatever the hell they do, that, and it's uh, and they look at how much money you've earned and how much you put into Social Security. Well, wasn't that? 
that very tricky? Do, no. Do, do they have to pay less if, if they put us down as a business owner? No, it all has to do with how much you paid into Social Security, and it's that simple. How much did you pay in for how long, and then there's a formula of the money you get. That's it. Well, well we... Uh, we, we we both worked all our lives. Well, it depends on how much money. It depends on how much money you earn too. But if you both worked all your life, then you should get a lot more than six hundred dollars. And so something is wrong. And if you're going down, if you're going to the Social Security office, several times they told you it's because uh, you didn't pay rent. Anna, something is horribly that's, wrong. That's the excuse they always. No, it's impossible, Anna. You know what? It's impossible. I don't bite that at all. Rent, not rent. I don't pay a mortgage, for example, because I've paid off my mortgage. Therefore, since I don't pay my mortgage, my Social Security is going to be reduced, right? What is that about? Uh, hi, Jim. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, my wife and I are uh, legal guardians for a two-and-a-half-year-old. It's a ex-foster daughter's daughter. We haven't heard from mom now in a couple of years. We'd like to adopt. Wondering if we can do it on our own. And I don't see any attorneys listed on him on the law. So where do we start? Yeah, you. Well, I think you're going to need an adoption attorney, a family law attorney, because uh, this is not easy to do because you have to make uh, virtually every attempt to find the legal parents. We did that, and, and uh, we we had a. We had a private detective. He can't find her. Okay, so um, yeah, then then it becomes you're simply straight out adopting uh, your child. I, you know, as long as you can prove you attempted to find the parents, both mom and dad, and you've done everything you could. Now, one of the things that <clears throat> it's interesting the way law, law works. Uh, in some cases, it's a reasonable attempt. Uh, in some cases, it's more than a reasonable attempt. In this case, and this is the way most attorneys adoption, or the, the way most judges uh, deal with it, is you have to go berserk to find the parents. Make every single attempt. Because you're talking about taking away parental rights from someone, Jim. Yeah, we have that now. I mean, we, we do have legal... No, no, there's, uh, di- there's a big difference between being a legal guardian and taking away someone's parental rights. Done. You're not okay. mom and dad anymore. You're finished. You have no rights to this kid ever again. What if we agree to allow uh, her to have uh, rights? I guess in Orange County, there's a kind of a, a different type of adoption where the, they can still have rights. Oh, well, they can have visitation. And then the issue uh, becomes, uh, so if they have rights, you're not adopting. There is, and, I don't, okay. and I've never, I'm not aware of anything in Orange County. But you're saying that the mother is around? So the mother is somewhere in the Inland Empire. We are in contact with her mother and uh, great-grandmother. So we have those, but they don't know where she is either. And the private attorney that we have, a uh, private investigator, uh, could not find her. Okay, either. well, that helps. Dad's in Iowa somewhere. We have no idea who he okay. is. Okay. All right. That helps. Yeah. I think you have enough there because if you're talking about going to mom and grandma and they can't and they have no contact as well as you're going to the last known address, then, then it's starting to build. Uh, and so why would you even go to Orange County and give the mom some kind of rights? The whole point of uh, of adopting saying, that's it. Those are my kids. You're done. Okay. All right, so um, attorneys on your website listed for adoption on your little drop-down box that comes up blank when I do everything. So oh, that's interesting. How do I find one? Um, 
you know, we're in the middle of changing over uh, our website. How critical is this for you right now? Does it matter if you wait two, three weeks? No, no, no. It's fine. Okay, we'll probably have probably within a month. Uh, we're doing we're redoing the website completely, and there's okay. going to be more access to more lawyers. It's an internal thing, so I don't want to get too gotcha. wonky. And also, I don't understand it. I can't even turn on a computer. So how the hell do I know how this works? But anyway, in uh, I would wait about three weeks, four weeks, and you shouldn't have a problem. But based on what you've done so far, Jim, it's looking really good for you. Okay, cool. Because I, we've been told that it's roughly two years. I don't know how and, long uh, it takes. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a process. I mean, two years since we've heard from mom, so we're coming up. Yeah, that I mean that help, the more the merrier. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, man. All right. Uh, hey, Kim. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, thank you so very much. Um, so my question is, I my little boy who is at age eleven um, was left alone for over twenty five minutes at school, um, and it was during lunch recess. And at the latter part of that time, there was no adult supervision on this particular day where there normally was. At the latter part of the time he was left alone, an older student came up and pushed him into a pole in which shattered his front tooth. Ooh. His per- yeah, his permanent front tooth it gave him a concussion. He had 12 dental visits. He has to have future dental. He had to have a root canal. The tooth became infected. He had to have a crown put on his front tooth. Oh, what a mess. Yeah, what a mess. Yeah. And the kid was an illegal immigrant as well. That doesn't that doesn't matter, Kim. No one cares okay. about that. Uh, uh, no, they, they actually protected the kid. Yeah. What son. ends up well, here's the problem. What ends up happening is you think on its face that you'd have it for negligence, but I think you have to argue even if there was supervision there, why would not have that kid pushed your son? Let's say there was a teacher ten feet away. Uh, let's say there was a teacher that was looking right at him and heard a noise. And uh, head went spinning towards the noise, and then your son got pushed. So the, the important thing or the, the, the part that you're going to have to uh, prove is but for. If there was supervision, this would never have happened. It's a question, it's a question of causation. Certainly, uh, well, it would it be causation? Yes. It's oh, intervention. It's, co- it's a, a, an issue of intervention. And uh, certainly the damages are enormous here, Kim. I'm not arguing that. Uh, oh, Bill, may I interject really quick? Sure. Thank you. The principal lied to me and said, and also to the other parent, and stated that the child that pushed my son did it on accident and didn't intend to. Yeah, again, but, there's no there's no proof. Oh, yeah, I have a videotape. They just... And again, so you have so you have the parents, I guess, but it doesn't do you any good. But even assuming that that he did it on purpose, okay, then you have an assault, and they're not going to do anything to an 11 year old uh, who pushes your son, and it's a mess. It really is, and it's one of those things where they're not going to nail the kid. He's going to claim it was an accident, even if you have a videotape. uh, The school will say it was an accident because the school doesn't want to get involved. And so I'm going to still suggest you talk to a personal injury lawyer and see if there's anything there. Absolutely, you want to talk to a PI lawyer because the damages are so high on this, Kim, that it's worth investigating. Uh, Thank you, Bill. Okay, take care. That's a a tough one. That really is. And uh, and by the way, you can go to handleonthelaw.com, and we have plenty of personal injury lawyers, and uh, you should get some idea. I would talk to two or three of them and find out uh, where the case is. Usually when there's enough damage, and it looks like with the concussion and the tooth and the prognosis, a very long-term prognosis, 
even uh, when there's questionable liability, if uh, damages are enough, they'll jump on it. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. When it comes to you, no, I Welcome no back patience. to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Blanche. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Yes, I have a problem with this company that uh, posts uh, ownership. Uh, they posted the they posted the wrong owner to my property, and uh, I've called them several times and 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 told them I check with the count, uh, Los Angeles County Recorder. They have no record. They're saying that someone submitted a trust deed. Uh, a quick claim deed on the property. Oh, that's easy. Which is not true. Cause okay, hang on. Did, have you checked with the county recorder's office? I've checked with them. They have no record of it. Then don't worry about it. They can say whatever they want, Blanche. If it's not true, it's not true. Because how does that damage you? How are you well, hurt? Every time I try to rent my property, it comes up with this different owner. Wait a sec. Every time you run your property, what does that mean? Every time I attempt to rent my property. Oh, every time you tend to rent the property... It comes yeah. It comes up with a different owner. Oh, so what website is this? This is you, U.S. Realty Records. Okay, and you, do, wait a sec. And so do you register with them? No, no, no. They just, anything. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right, I see. I see. Any renter that wants to uh, verify, and this is before the renters talk to you or, or after? Uh, this is before, uh, you know, well, this actually was a Section 8 is the one they told me that uh, I was not the registered owner. All right. And uh, so the, all you have to do is uh, show a title, a copy of a title uh, report. There it is. You go, I certainly am. So I, I don't quite understand uh, how this works. Do potential tenants go on to this website to find out who owns the property? Anyone can go on this website. I understand. But how is it hurting you specifically? Well, Section 8, they verify owners. Okay, but Section 8, if they already know that you are the owner, what difference does it make? Well, I had to, I had to prove it. I had to show the deed. Yeah, I know. You have, to show, yeah, no, you have to show the deed. I, I get that. But how big a deal is it to show the deed? Here you go. Here's well, my deed. Big deal. I just want to make sure they can't make a loan. Or, uh, no, no, they can, no, they're not going to make a loan. If they do, it has nothing to do with you. It's a fraudulent loan. And uh, because they say you're not the owner, they some they say someone else is the owner. Yes. Okay. Yes, so if someone wa- okay, so if someone wants to borrow money, uh, anybody that is lending money will instantly check with the recorder's office and realize that who's ever trying to borrow money based on their ownership of your property that's fraud. That's a criminal. That's a criminal violation. So uh, you're for now. I'm not to say they're not doing wrong, but Blanche, for God's sake, do you have any idea what's going to cost you to undo that? Yeah, because they refuse to undo it. Yeah, I know, but uh, you know, you may want to get a lawyer letter. But uh, are you really going to file a lawsuit, Blanche? As long as I'm not harmed, nobody tries to make a fraudulent loan or sell the property, I I would be okay. Then that's the way you want to leave it, because we're talking thousands of dollars to unravel this right now. And if it's not hurting you, you leave it alone. Okay. 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 All right, Blanche. I can see where she's coming from. But uh, if just proving that you have title, there you go. No harm, no foul. Yeah, you're done. 
All right, Nathan. Nathan, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, how are you? Yes. Just a question. I am a successor trustee. Okay. I have a copy of the trust, and I think there's a, a couple amendments that were made that is not being provided by the primary success, the trustee. Okay. Is there any recourse that I have? Uh, not at this point, uh, because... Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, but what are you going to do? You're going to file a lawsuit, Nathan, and force exactly. and force the issue. Are you, are you really going to do that? Uh, no. I mean, the no. uh, the trustee should. I have a trust, and of course, I have a trustee and a successor trustee, and I make sure everybody involved has copies of the trust to the point where I keep one. I put one in a safe deposit box. Uh, I have it. Uh, my lawyer has one. I make sure everybody has it. So I have no idea why the trustee is not sharing that with you. But what are you going to do now? Right. Well, I think the one of the first uh, the first amendment has a clause in there that one of the beneficiaries has to pay repay back some uh, loans to the trust. Okay. And they don't want to deal with that. Okay. The, well, uh, uh, then trustee. then you have to go and. Uh, uh, you have to, you get to look at it. Do you have any idea? Or you get to look for it. Uh, you know when the time comes, assuming you're going to be the trustee and the first trustee bails out or dies. Uh, right. Do you know the lawyer that uh, wrote it? Do you have any idea? Yes, I do. Why don't you call yes, the I lawyer do. and say I'm a successor trustee? And I. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Okay. This uh, DNA genealogy uh, way of finding suspects is uh, gaining a lot of traction, getting some serious legs here. And how does that work? Well, first of all, there's a DNA match. That's an easy one. So whenever there is, uh, let's say there is a rape, and uh, a rape kit is involved. That is, uh, the lady, uh, usually the lady, that goes to uh, an emergency room, and uh, what they'll do is um, uh, take bodily fluids out of her or bodily fluids that are on her or, uh, let's say, scratches under the fingernail in which she tried to hold off the attacker, all of which provides DNA. Now, if there is a DNA match in the system, then... Uh, that's an easy match. But what if the perpetrator is not in the system? There is no DNA. I don't have any DNA with the police department. Uh, you probably don't. So how do they get to me if I'm the perpetrator? Well, they have the DNA, and then they simply go on 23andMe, for example, uh, or any one of the websites, and chances are there was someone in my family that, in fact, has connected. And the police at that point have a match, but maybe to an uncle, an aunt, a cousin, and then they start investigating. So they grab the cousin and uh, just ask, hey, uh, anybody in your family, for example, is a black sheep? Uh, there is something that happened uh, 20 years ago in this area. Anybody in your family lived there? Anybody in your family, for example, uh, has had problems or uh, talked about uh, an issue? And they narrow it and winnow it down until they get a suspect. And, of course, once they get a suspect and they extract the DNA, boom, you're done. Well, that's what happened to another case, a 1999 cold case of two girls being uh, murdered and 
Uh, this is uh, what happened. Uh, it, there was a murder of these two young ladies. There was DNA. And then because of the new technology, they were able to connect the perpetrator. Now, keep in mind, this was almost 20 years ago. And the story is horrific. Um, these two girls were going to a party. They got lost and confused about the directions. Uh, they called home from a gas station telling their mom, we're on our way home, couldn't find the party, didn't make it back to dawn. Investigators were found, uh, were called. They found the car the next day, uh, opened the trunk, and there were the two girls inside with gunshot wounds to their heads and uh, were able to get DNA. The story doesn't explain why, but they got the bad guy, or at least they arrested the bad guy, even though it's so much older. And you hear the case is so old, almost 20. They've gone back 40 years on cases. Incidentally, for those that are saying, well, how about the statute of limitations handle? You're always talking about the statute. There is no statute for murder. It doesn't exist. All right, let's take some phone calls. All right, Joyce. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Uh, my question here is that um, I'm worried about a construction company, a window, you know, replacement company. They, um, I'm afraid that they will sue me because they've I've, they've ordered the windows. They, they can install. They cannot install them because our HOA does not allow them to come in and install the way they want to install. Hmm. They want. They want the the company to uh, break out the stucco and then install them. And they're not willing to do that. Can they sue me? Yeah. I have. I yeah, have they can sue them. you. What they can do is sue you for the windows. And are these custom windows? Well, they've measured them. No, no, but I, I, if they're being built, if they're custom windows, then they can sue you for the value of the windows. Yes, because it's your fault that they can't install them. Your fault being the HOA won't let you do it. And uh, you may just want to get another window installer that's willing to do it. There are window installers all over the place that may be very well uh, willing to do that. You supply the windows, they'll install, which is the easiest way of doing it. But you can't just walk away and say, oh, the HOA won't let me do it. Thank you. We're done. No. they they're, And they're saying, wait a minute, we built windows for you. What do we do with these? Well, I've given them 10% down yes. of the cost, and I've also given them half of the money okay. for the for the windows, to purchase the windows, to do for the windows. Yeah. And I owe, I owe them the other half for the installation. So, oh, wait a second. Is that the way the contract is written? Is that yes. installation is 50% of the cost of the window? Yes. And if you've already paid the 50%, you're home free. Then you can say okay. you can't install it. Because they won't let you. I'll pay for the windows. Installation is, uh, I'm not taking advantage of your installation. And if they say, but you signed a contract, you say, hey, the problem is, is that we're not allowed to, and I think you're going to be fine. Well, you know, they said that they would install them. They'd break the stucco. You just said they won't do it. You just said they wouldn't do that. Okay. But they, the owner said that he would do it, but he wants me to pay the cost of, of the the, because it's going to take longer. What they were going to do is do the vinyl something or other. Okay, Joy, you're making no sense. We started with they won't do deal with the stucco. They simply won't install it. Now they will deal with the stucco, and the owner, who's the owner? 
the owner well, of I, the owner of I the window have, company? The owner of the window company. Got it. Right. And now he will install by taking off the stucco, correct? Yeah, but he wants to charge me for the labor, more for the labor. Oh yeah, of course, because he has to tear out the stucco. But that didn't. The contract didn't say anything about that. Was silent on that. But it wasn't. The, the problem is, is that under the homeowner association, you can't do that, and he's not supposed to know what the homeowner association rules are. You are. He doesn't have an obligation to say. And I want to see your CCNRs to see if I can install the window. That's not his problem. It's okay. yours. Sean. Hi, Sean. Hello? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yeah, I gave power attorney to my brother, family member, trusting him over the sale of a house. I was in Southern. He was in Northern up there with my house, and the bank was going to give me a modification. And they uh, strung me out for about two years and paid my property taxes. And he, he took over the... Uh, Thing up there because I couldn't deal with it right then, and he's supposed to clear everything with me, and he didn't clear it. He went ahead and dropped the price by eighty thousand dollars. I called up a Chinese realtor who just got back from China, and she got some buyers in and bought the house. Because I didn't, I should have called you at that time. Uh, yeah, I, and I know how they sold it with a power of attorney. Uh, that gets kind of interesting that it was done with just a power of attorney. I don't know. Uh, how many uh, lenders uh, or, uh, well, you, I mean, you could because it's, I'm assuming there was no mortgage money behind it. It was simply a transfer of uh, title, correct? From from who to who? From you via the power of attorney to the buyer. I didn't do any, yeah, I wasn't involved in the transfer of the title. No, I understand that. No, he did it under power of attorney and it was just a transfer of title. He just recorded the deed. Uh, based on his ability to take care of it for you. I, do I have that correct? I, it sounds right, Bill, but All I right. don't know about... Then what ends up, I'll tell you, what ends up happening is if he screwed you out of the money, uh, you have a lawsuit against him for $80,000. Okay, and uh, there's others, but that's the main bulk of it. You're right. And, yeah, that's and it. Is- you sue him because you want to find out why. And have you asked him, incidentally, why'd you sell this thing for $80,000 under market? He, he shut the... We had an agreed price, and he lowered it, and he wouldn't talk to me, let alone did not call me to consult with me like the agreement. So what is he? So has he responded to any phone calls oh. or letters? Oh. He won't. Then it's, no time, it's time for a lawyer letter and probably a lawsuit for $80,000. He'll respond. He's not going to ignore that. Is there a ticket to, is there a, a, a what do you call that, limitations? Statute of limitations? Of course there is. So how long ago did this happen? Okay, two, three years ago. Two, three years ago. You're fine with the statute. Okay, well, what right. is the link? I, I think you have, probably have four years, but you're fine with the statute. This is Handle on the Law. I keep seeing visions of you, visions of visions of you. I keep getting stuck in this day, stuck in this day, Stimulating talk, Bill Handel. Saturday morning, this is Handle on the Law. Mark! Hi, Mark! Hi! Yes? Yes? Hi, how are you, Bill Handel? Yes, sir. Yeah, let's go for it. What can I do for you, Mark? Um, okay, well, I sued a car dealer because they promised me that I was going to get a tax credit when I bought my electric vehicle. Wait a minute. How do you get a tax credit when you buy a car, Mark? Well, actually, I didn't buy it. I leased it. 
you lease it. How do you get how do you get a tax credit leasing a car? Well, that's what they told me. Yeah, well, I think about it for a moment. And uh, so they told you that, and they, of course, told you uh, when they deny they ever told you that, because I'm assuming it doesn't say that on the lease agreement that you get a tax credit, correct? Well, it, it didn't. But what I did is that, you know, my sister was interested with the car also. And so I told her, well, my sister is interested. Do I still get the same tax credit and all that in the email? And she answered, yes. Come over. Your sister's going to get the same deal as what you got when you got the car. But it's it. Did they say you're going to get a tax credit? Yes, that's what I wrote on my email. And exactly. uh, they came back and say you've got your sister gets the same deal. Then they responded yes. to the tax credit. Yeah. Did they yes. say that your sister gets the same deal that you do? Is that what they wrote? Yes. Okay, that's, and well, there's no mention I, there's no mention of tax credit other than you saying there's going to be a tax credit on the email, correct? Yes, that is correct. And so you've got no place I'm, to go, Mark. There is no tax credit. Well, can I use that as an evidence telling? telling I don't uh, even understand what you say. Is it? By the way, is it an electric car? Yeah, it's an electric car. Oh, it's it's an, wait, wait, wait! Is it an electric car? Yeah, it is an electric car. Ah, then there is a tax credit. Uh, Automatically, by law, there's a tax credit. And if your sister buys the car, leases the car, yes, she gets a tax credit. Yeah, but we lease it. I understand, but whoever whoever is on the lease agreement gets the tax credit, I think. I'm not an accountant, but what's your question? Unfortunately, when I filed my taxes. You know what? Tax, I, you, what happened when you file your taxes is a horrible line. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not eligible to get it because I leased it. It's to your okay, then I don't know then. Okay, then you're not eligible to lease it. Or you're not eligible for the tax credit if you lease it. All right. So you're saying that they told you you have a tax credit. So argue, yes. find out what the tax credit would be, and then sue them. God, that's a horrible line. Did anybody understand that? I mean, was that... Uh, you could actually half understand what he said. All right, fair enough. Is that Bo? Bo, that's you. Welcome, Bo. Hey, my fiance has a lot of debt that has been unpaid, school loans, credit cards. Uh, when we get married, will they start calling me? Yes. One to collect some of that debt? Yes, they'll start calling you, and you tell them to go screw themselves because you're not responsible. But believe me, they'll start calling you. That's all I got to say. Go screw yourself. That's Uh, not my debt. uh, Yeah. You just tell them uh, it's not my debt. Now, they're going to say you're responsible for your wife's debt. You're not. Any debt that she has incurred prior to your marriage, you are not responsible for. However, can they go after you or your account if you have any joint accounts, Bo? That's when they can yeah. go after your account. So the way, how much debt is she coming into this thing with, Bo? Sixty grand. You're out of your mind to get married to someone like that. You are crazy. She has to be I the. I don't care if you love her. She has to be the best lay on this planet for you to accept a sixty thousand dollar debt. She is. She's pretty well, good in the sack, can... huh? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Well, well that helps. So you yes, want to keep. They... You want to get? Uh, Can stuff? they go to collections? Yes. Well, they're going to go. Of course, they're. Of course, they're going to go to collections, and her and her credit's uh, really gonna, good credit though. And her credit is going to be all screwed up, uh, Bo. The way to make sure they can't touch you 
is you have no joint accounts of any kind. Okay. That's okay. how to do it. Keep yourself and her totally separated. How good a lay would you have to be to accept $60,000 in debt? I can't. Um, you know what? There isn't a person on this planet that I would uh, suck up a, uh, pardon the phraseology, a $60,000 debt. It just, it just wouldn't happen in this lifetime. Hi, Samantha. Hello. Yes, ma'am. You're up. Oh. Hi. What is going? Wait, wait. What's going on in the background? What's all that noise? Sorry, I had to. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Five years ago, um, my ex-husband lost his job, so I pay child support now to him, and I have the kids more time. And um, I obtained um, his employee records through a subpoena, and found he had a job all that time. My question is, is can I sue him? Yes, um, yes. For back child support? Oh, yes. You go back into court, and you ask for a hearing based on the child support, because what he has done is defrauded the court. You ask for back child support based on fraud. Oh, okay. yeah. You've, you've got him on that one. Yeah, they can't do that. And you're going to see one pissed-off judge for sure. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel, this is Handel on the Law. Hey, Lewis, you're up. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Thank you. Uh, about 30 years ago, I was involved in a properties partnership in Utah, and uh, we also did some marketing on the side, and uh, we're making a fairly decent living. And instead of getting a raise, I was given a small properties partnership interest. I think it was a half of 1%. And uh, I've had that document for low these 30 years and haven't done anything with it. And now I'm wondering, can I, would it still, and how do I proceed? Well, what do you want to do? I want to see if they've got some money. So All right, and you may not interest. be able to. It depends on uh, what you can do with your percentage. And maybe you get uh, the percentage, uh, you get your percentage when uh, the, when the company is sold. Uh, maybe you can turn around and sell it to whoever. Make a, sell it back to the company. Uh, so okay. I'm assuming, unless there is a uh, some restriction, which by now wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be around, you simply find a buyer for your half a percent. Okay. Suppose the company had sold ten years ago. Ten years, long time to wait. Well, yeah, but I mean, suppose it has sold prior to my inquiry. Right. Ta- statute of limitations. And what is that? Uh, it would probably be about four years in this case. So oh, you're, no. way, you're way past the statute. Way past that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're done. If uh, they didn't, if you hadn't contacted them, it's just, uh, yeah, at 10 years, it's just, you can't go back and say this happened 10 years ago. It simply doesn't happen. Pam, yeah. your turn. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
My 94-year-old mother has a default judgment and a notary deed on her property. After that, mine is vetted as joint tenant, so the property goes to me upon her death. My question is, if she ever dies, do I have to sell the home to pay those debts? Yes, theoretically, yeah. Well, if, no, if she ever dies, you get the property. Right. It becomes yours automatically, and whatever is in her estate uh, is going to be used to pay off uh, whatever debt she has. But the point is, it's no longer in her estate when she dies. It's yours. And, uh, oh, good. Yeah, no, it's it's yours. And then if you have nothing to do with her debt, you're fine. Now, they may try to go after it, uh, and uh, they may be arguing, no, no, it doesn't, because it, you've had it in joint tenancy for how long? Forever, right? No, she had those. She incurred those when it was just hers. But now it's joint tenancy. Ah, that may be a problem. Because the argument is going to be that she did that in, in, in as a result of a judgment against her and for the purposes of defrauding creditors. If I owe a bunch of money and there's a judgment against me and I turn around and say, you know what, before they're going to get me, let me transfer my property to you where we both own it. When I die, it's all yours. If I'm that creditor, I'm going to go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Sure smells to me like you're just trying to get out of uh, the amount of money you owe me and you have assets to pay me. Now, how big is the judgment against her? Um, the one is 45000 and the other is 30000 Yeah, maybe. That may be enough for them to yes, go so. and they, they have to file they have to file a lawsuit against you to then undo the joint tenancy and bring it back to her estate. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah but so all, you do, all you can do is wait. So if the service on the default judgment was just leaving the paper with me at the door and not given to her, is that bad service? Uh, they have to sue the, uh, they would have to sue the trustee. Uh, no, they have to personally serve you. Uh, to unravel. So I could maybe reverse that one, that default judgment saying she wasn't properly served. No, she wasn't no? properly. No, at this point, it's no. The judgment is already there. And how do you know well, she wasn't properly served? Because she told you? No, the service came to the door, and I said she wasn't there. And she said, well, she lives here. I'm leaving it with you. Uh, how do you know they haven't served her someplace else? Because I know. You know, and that's going to work in court. <laughs> that's good. All you have to do is tell the judge, and when the judge says, how do you know? Because I know. That's going to fly, isn't it? <laughs> Not very far. That's correct. Not very far. Michelle, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Uh, my question is, uh, my husband and I got a uh, living trust a few years ago, and now we don't know if we're done. <laughs> well, I mean, have you um, transferred the property into the trust? No. Then that's what you have to do, because there's nothing in the living trust. What you okay. have to do, if you, want to, if you want the trust to distribute what, your own, what you own, you have to transfer all of your property into the trust. The trust has to own it. For example... Uh, our house, mine and my wife's house, is owned by our family trust. The bank okay. accounts we have are owned by the trust, and we are trustees. So we've just transferred every. You transfer. You just, for example, you go to the bank, you give them a copy of uh, the uh, trust document, and they will transfer the account with, with uh, the paperwork, the, the signature that you that they hand you, the signature cards. As far okay. as the property is concerned, you transfer the property from you into the trust. 
and that's just a sheet we can go get like online or something. And yeah, file with yeah, you can probably or... do that. I mean, you want to do it correctly, uh, but yes, it's uh, it, it's simply a transfer. It's a deed that you take. It's owned by you. You both sign and transfer it to the trust of which you're trustees. I'm assuming that you are the trustees of the trust, correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, that's how you do it. It's easy to do. Yeah, you can all find right. you can find all the documents online. Not a problem. Hello, Anthony. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can Good I do morning. for you? Sir, uh, I have a tenant for four years now. The first year, I wrote out a contract for a lease for one year. The second year, I extended that lease. The third year, I did not uh, produce a lease. And the fourth year, I haven't produced a lease, and they continue to to uh, rent from me. I just served them yesterday a 60-day notice. She texts me back and says, my lawyer says you owe uh, a relocation fees and everything like that for breach of contract. What contract? I, yeah, there is no lease? no there is no contract if you give her a thirty day notice uh, or sixty day notice 60 under days. the law. Uh, but uh, under the law, they're entitled to relocation fees. Why is that? Because that's the statute. Because Even the law if, because the law says they're entitled to relocation fees. Is that is that under conditions of? Uh, it's not a lease no more though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say lease in the statute. It says when they move out, they get relocation fees. So what what, what kind of money are we talking about? I don't know. You have to look it up. Twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars, whatever the hell it is. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. You got it. it very much. Why? Because it's written that way. Well, I don't think it's fair. Talk to your legislature, as in. California being the most liberal state in the country. Santa Monica, the city of Santa Monica, man, that's where you want to be a renter. There is nothing like, as a matter of fact, in the world of real estate, Santa Monica, California is called the People's Republic of Santa Monica. And they're not exaggerating a whole lot. This is Handle on the Law. Six forty, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice. Byron, yes, Byron. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so um, basically, my question is this: um, Me, uh, when my, my ex wife and I, we got a divorce, or we filed, uh, we got a divorce. We had a bifurcation. Um, and but even before we had the bifurcation, we had uh, it's a bifurcation. It's pronounced bifurcation. And bifurcation for those people that don't know what it is, you you do, Byron. So let me explain what it is to other people. Bifurcation is when you split the case in two. So the divorce is granted, which enables you to go ahead and get remarried or whatever. But the issues as to uh, child support and uh, assets and property settlements, that continues on. So you're, you, you were granted the divorce, right, Byron? That's correct. And, you're in the, and, the, and the case had been bifurcated, so now let's go to that part of it. Okay, so when we did the marital agreement, uh, she was living in South Carolina with the children, and we calculated uh, child support um, for South Carolina. Uh, she's now living in California. We have a marital agreement, but the marital agreement that we had for child support visitation, um, pretty much everything other than the, the divorce, uh, we had 
a, we had notarized, um, but it was never signed by a judge. So what I'm trying to do now is I, I would um, – so we're not actually going through California and paying her. You know, I have um, evidence. Uh, we have our uh, – uh, basically, I just do a direct deposit into her account every month for, uh, for the child support amount. So what's your question? Um, so my question is, do I need to get a judge to sign it, or does the notarized agreement No, notarized, no notarizing uh, an agreement means nothing. Means okay. nothing, particularly in California. Now, uh, if she doesn't go to court in California, here in California, and ask for an amended child support order, that she wants mm-hmm. more money, uh, for, for example, based on the fact that it's just a lot more money to live here in California, particularly Southern California, then she just right. goes in front of a judge. And the judge, even if a judge signs it in uh, North Carolina and signs it here, for example, she can go in a week later and open the case up. The, the judge, the court, always has jurisdiction on child support, and you can open it up whenever you want, and there's no such thing as a final judgment on child support. So any way okay. you do it, Byron, you're screwed. If she wants to go and increase child support or ask for a change— so it's all up to her. Okay, now she said she doesn't want to ask for a change. We're all right, then she doesn't. We, then she doesn't. Okay, but my thing is we still wanted to know, do we go through the court? And, no, you don't have to. Um, There's no reason to. If she's willing to accept what you're paying. And well, I, what I'm saying is if, if she tries to go through, if, if we go through, is California going to hit me for back child support? Ah, if I, have I don't think paying? so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And what you do is you show the document. Uh, you okay. don't, you're not going to need a court order, I, I don't believe. But okay. you, if you show the document, I would get it notarized just so she doesn't say um, that just. Because so, it is notarized. The agreement yeah, no. is. All right. Agreement. So I, I think because it's a matter of proof is what it is. Right. And uh, you know what? I would still get a, a court order in North Carolina. It doesn't hurt. The more you have, the stronger your case is for her ordering or asking for back child support, which she probably won't get. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I so and it's a good we, we it's a good question. It's we're a good. Not, we're not. But okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Go it's a good. It's a good question. Very good question. And the the more you do, the safer you are. Usually, as I always say, the more paperwork you have in your possession, the better off you are. Now, let me go to that other question that you had. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. Just I just wanted to. Um, All right. We good. Go. All right. I'm bored. Thank you. I don't want to go on. Hey, uh, how's things? How's the family? Got a recipe for lasagna I want to share with you? Yeah, why not? <sighs> nice. Hello, Robert. Hello there. Yes, sir. What can so, I do for you? Oh, I've got two questions. Uh, in California, how much power does a judge have regarding um, the sale or refinancing of a house during divorce? How much power does the judge have in terms of enforcing the sale of a house? Yes. 100%. The judge can order it. Okay. If one of the parties is wanting to buy the house, yes. can the judge say that the other party has to stay on the loan? No. No, I don't think. I mean, the judge theoretically could say that in the case of a divorce where, for example, the judge, uh, part of the judgment is, and I'm going to give you an example, a typical example. You've got a wife. You've got a mom of smaller kids, and uh, the mother and the father, there's a divorce going on, and uh, the kids stay with mom, and they're in the house. 
the judge can say no transfer will be made until the kids reach the age of majority, and then you can sell the house and split it. In terms of the benefit of the child, the judge can say you stay on the loan. Absolutely. But again, it's all for the benefit of the kids and when you're dealing with child support. Always. And under those circumstances, the judges have tremendous power when the argument is uh, for the benefit of the children, which is always the issue, child support, any of that, custody them. As far as just pure assets without children being involved. Uh, Does a judge have the power? Yeah, probably, but I think that's appealable. And I think if uh, the judge is going to order uh, uh, one one of the sides to have the house, I think the judge would have a, a difficult time, a very difficult time justifying. And by the way, you stay on the loan. I think that would be tough for the judge to do. I don't think that's going to happen. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law.